If not, want to take my. I want to take our, uh, our our reading this morning out of the second chapter of the book of Jonah. Jonah, Jonah, chapter two, and we're going to begin reading at the second verse. And and I'll just paraphrase the first verse. I mean, it's fairly short. Jonah it finds himself in the in the in the belly of the fish that God had prepared to swallow him up. And so we're going to read the second chapter of Jonah. And this is Jonah's prayer while he was in the belly of the fish. And while he's there, this this is his prayer. Starting in verse 2. I cried by reason of mine affliction... Unto the Lord. And he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hadst cast me into the deep, into the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. And then said I, Or then I said, sorry, then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. Yet I will look again toward toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption. O Lord my God, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee. Into thine holy temple, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. And I will pay that that I have vowed. And I want to stop right there and stop short in verse 9. And as we read this, we we find Jonah is in a great distress, isn't he? (laughs) I mean, he's in a distress that really none of us can fathom. Uh, brother, Brother Osborne likes to go fishing, but I don't think Brother Osborne's ever thought about being swallowed by fish. <laughs> uh, and, but that's the state that Jonah finds himself in here. And if you really look at what he says, I mean, uh, he, he, he talks about, uh, about uh, the, the position that he finds himself in. And he talks about being buried, doesn't he? And let's just look at what he's talking about here. The floods come past about me, and all the billows of the waves passed over me. The waters come past me about, even to the soul. The depths, the depths closed me round about, and the weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the bottom of the mountains, and with uh, to the mountain, the earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption. He's talking about a, a situation in which he's dived down to the depths of the ocean, hasn't he? 
But it's not like he's in a submarine with a port <laughs> where he can sit there uh, as if he's Jacques Cousteau uh, and watch as he sinks down into the depths. I would imagine the only way that he would be able to know that he's going down into the depths or, or if the fish were coming up would be the angle that he would be at. Uh, at any given point in time when he was in the belly of the fish. But here he is, and he, he talks about he's going down into the depths. And, and one of the things I want to touch on here for certain is, uh, is when he talks about being down into hell. And, uh, and that's an interesting perspective because it had to be a hell for Jonah didn't it for him to experience that that well that would it was considered a death wasn't it even though Jonah's never dead he never literally died he's in a hell One of the things we think about when we think about the book of Jonah is is this part right here. This is the part that sticks out, isn't it? Whenever we talk about Jonah, we talk about Jonah being swallowed by fish, but we don't talk about any of the things that that surround it. And I want to talk about some of the things that surround it and how it applies to Christ. Because... Jonah was taken down into the depths. And he, he, he equated that as hell. And in the word that it is translated as hell there means it, it is sheol. That's the Hebrew word for the grave or hell is what they, what they would use. And now this is used present day, um, but it's used in a, in a wrong way. And it's used in a way that teaches something that's not true and so I want to I want to touch on that for just a moment. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 9 and 10 is where you're really going to take this from. This is talking about after the death of Christ when Christ was in the grave. Uh, in verse 9 it says and now that he that ascended what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fulfill or that he might fill all things. Uh, and so here this is talking about Jesus and the idea here is uh, is a teaching uh, that pops up this time of year. Uh, that when Jesus died at Calvary, that Jesus descended down into hell and he led the Old Testament patriarchs who were held captive to, to, to liberty, to freedom. But Jesus, I don't believe, ever went there. Uh, that is a teaching that comes out of the Catholic Church originally called Limbus Patrum uh, or a place called Limbo or uh, as another word that we have for it is a place called Purgatory which is some place where uh, people go when they die and it's a, really it's more, no more than a holding tank where you go and you wait uh, until the day of judgment, the day of resurrection. Uh, and so here they are and they stay. Here, here Jonah is in the belly of the fish and he says the sea above me, uh, the earth and her bars are above me, and Jonah is, he's buried, he's as buried as buried could be, isn't he? And he's got for a coffin a fish. 
Jesus was laid in a tomb and they, they, they teach that he descended down into hell and, and he led the Old Testament patriarchs to liberty because they were held captive. The Bible doesn't teach that. <laughs> the Bible doesn't teach that. Uh, and I'm going to use a few verses of Scripture. Ecclesiastes 12 and 7. I'm just going to go there. You can find a couple other verses that Solomon penned in the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 12, 7. Solomon writes this. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was. Because what did God do on uh, the, si the sixth day of creation? He took the dust of the earth. And he made it in the fashion of a man, didn't he? In our, in our likeness is what the Bible teaches us. And then he breathed into the nostrils the breath of life, and then that man became a living soul. And so here Solomon's writing, and he says, Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was. That's referring to your body. And the spirit, or the soul, shall return to God who gave it. Hebrews 9 and 27 says this, As it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. And we want to put the judgment off, don't we? To some point far in the distance, far in the future. We don't know what day the, the Lord is coming back. Uh, but I, I mean, we can look around and say, well, we look at the things that are happening around us and we say, well, it can't be very far off. But... The heart of man wax can wax grosser and grosser and darker and darker and to a point that we can't even really comprehend it or, per, or perceive it. Uh, and so here we, we, uh, we think about that, but uh, Jesus uh, or Solomon wrote, and the Bible tells us very plainly that the dust will return to dust, that the spirit will return to God who gave it. Hebrews 9:27 says, we're all going to die, and that body's going to return to dust, and then that spirit's going to go back to God, and it's going to be judged immediately, isn't it? <laughs> it's not off into some distant future. When you die, you go to God and you are judged. It's once appointed unto man to die, and then after that death, the judgment. And we see that borne out uh, in the teachings of Christ in one of the parables that he taught. Now, not everybody believes this is a parable, but I believe this is a parable. I believe Jesus is talking about himself versus the Pharisees. Uh, but in the parable of Lazarus and the rich man, he says this. He says, And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. That's going to be a great day, isn't it? <laughs> As the song said, and then one day I'll cross the river. <laughs> but you know, I'm not going to cross the river by myself. <laughs> God's going to have, he's got angels waiting. Uh, whenever one of his children are ready to make that journey, they get an escort, don't they? <laughs> they get an escort unlike anything we've ever experienced in this world. Uh, I once told my dad that when I, if I happen to die, I said, God forbid, Dad, we were having a conversation about this. I said, God forbid, if I were to ever die, uh, I said, uh, I said, and I'm, you, you've got to have my funeral procession and it's got to go up Lots Creek Hollow. Uh, I said, here's the only request that I have. And he said, what's that, son? I said, I want, I want the, the funeral procession weaving like it's a caution flag in a NASCAR race. <laughs> Just because I think it's funny. 
It's one of those things that pops in my head. It's just kind of goofy. I'm goofy that way sometimes. He said, you're crazy. <laughs> oh, guilty as charged. <laughs> guilty as charged. I still think it would be an awesome sight. <laughs> but you know what? Either way, I don't care because I'm not there. <laughs> Part of me wants that because I want it to be to lighten the load for those that would be left afterward. I can say this though, if that really did happen, my wife would be saying he was so dumb. <laughs> she would not be a fan of that. She would be actually the one in charge, so it would not happen. <laughs> We don't get everything we want in life, do we? <laughs> but he says this. He says, It came to pass that the beggar died and he, the, and he was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. So now I want to say this. It doesn't matter if, if, if you want to take my belief that this is a parable and Jesus is referring to himself, which I believe just shows that when he died, immediately when he died, the Father sent, the Father sent for him and he was taken back up into heaven. Uh, and, and then he likens that to the Pharisees, that when they would die because of their unregenerate condition uh, and that they died lost, uh, that they would go and they would be judged, but immediately they would find themselves in hell uh, and in being in hell, being in torment <laughs> forever. But able to see Lazarus. See, I don't think that they will look off across that gulf that's affixed between heaven and hell. I don't think they'll look and be able to see me. <laughs> But I tell you what, I believe they will be able to see. I believe they'll be able to look across that gulf and I believe they'll be able to see Jesus Christ. I believe they'll be able to look across that gulf and they'll be able to see the one who could have prevented their entering into hell. I believe they'll be able to see that for eternity as a reminder of what they rejected. But why did he die? This was one of the big hang-ups for the apostles, wasn't it? When they were the disciples. Was that Jesus had to die. He told them plainly he had to die. Time and time and time and time again. But they never did listen. Well, before he died, he had to be born, didn't he? And we always celebrate that at Christmas time, the event of Jesus' birth. And we celebrate the event of his death at this time of year. Uh, but, uh, uh, but we look at this and we say, but why was it happen? Why, why did it happen? Well, of course it had to fulfill prophecy, but it was more of a reason to show us why. And I believe Hebrews 2.9 is one of the best verses in the Bible to teach us why he, uh, why he had to die. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death. See, here's the thing. Angels don't die, do they? This is what people miss. 
There's, there's, there's a belief in the world today that they believe that when God says, Depart from me, ye curse into everlasting fire, prepare for the devil and his angels, that that's equated to them being annihilated, meaning they cease to exist. But Satan as an angel never dies. But he's going to be in torment for eternity. And you say, well, how's that possible? Well, how's a bush able to burn and not be consumed? The only difference is that bush didn't feel any pain from that flame. But when you find yourself in hell, you will. Satan will feel it. The angels that followed him out of heaven will feel it. And if you follow him into heaven, or into hell, uh, into hell rather, uh, you'll definitely feel it just like that rich man did. But Jesus came, uh, and he's made a little lower than the angels so that he could taste death for the, for the suffering of death. Uh, and, and, and having died, having fulfilled the will of the Father in going to the cross at Calvary, uh, he's crowned with glory and honor. And as a matter of fact, when he He's uh, there in the Garden of Gethsemane. The first thing he asked for, one of the first things he asked for, uh, was he asked for the cup to pass from him. If not, uh, if not, that will be done. Uh, then he also asked for the restoration of the glory that he had before he came into the world. You see, Jesus had to leave everything to come and save us, didn't he? He had to leave everything so that we would have a plan of salvation. But now he's crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. By the grace of God should taste death for every man. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary was vicarious. Meaning he did it not for himself, but he did it for you and he did it for me. And he did it so that we might have the opportunity to be saved. That we might have the opportunity to inherit eternal life. He did it for another reason. He did it so that he could have an understanding of us, didn't he? Not in his position, in being in glory and being perfect, but so that he could have an understanding of our condition in this world, so that he would have a knowledge of what it is that uh, we have gone through in our life. And so in uh, in the book of Hebrews in chapter 4, verse 15, uh, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched uh, with the feeling of our infirmities. He experienced everything, didn't he? From birth to poverty, to death on to the death on the cross, and everything in between. He knows, he knows what you're going through. Unlike the priests that were under the Mosaic economy, under the old uh, under the old Mosaic law, those priests they could not enter into the temple without first having offered a sacrifice for their own sins, right? But Jesus, having offered one sacrifice uh, for one time through the veil of His blood, has now sat down at the right hand of the Father, uh, and uh, and and He and He reigns there now. Uh, and so He sees here, but in all points. He was tempted like as we are. And here's the kicker. Here's the difference. Yet without sin. 
yet without sin. I was having a, a conversation with a guy. And he's big in the, the Torah. The, if you really pay attention today, there is a movement amongst Christians to where they want to go back to the, the Torah or the Pentateuch and, and they want to uh, live their life that way as some sort of validation that they are a child of God. That's not the validation that you've been saved. That's the rebuilding of the middle wall of partition which Jesus tore down. <laughs> and so if you're going to do that, then what you're going to do is you're going to reject the work that Christ did at Calvary, you're going to reject his resurrection and reject him as king because you seek to live under the old statutes that existed, or as Paul called them, the more rudimentary elements, right, of the world. Or the more basic elements of the world. Back in Hebrews chapter 2, for for. For in that he himself suffered, hath suffered being tempted, he is... Now listen here. Not only do we have a great... Because... Well, I'm going to say this. Because we have a great high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are. We have a sympathetic high priest... He knows what we're going through. Hebrews 2.18 tells us that he's able to succor them that are tempted because he's experienced the same. He's experienced the same. So he tasted death for us. He's our high priest who has, who has, who has experienced what we've gone through and because of that he's able to succor us. Now, I'm laying a groundwork here. We're going to go back to Jonah in just, just a few minutes. John chapter 10, verse 17 and 18. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down on myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Nobody killed Jesus, <laughs> but that he allowed it. <laughs> Amen? He, he is the one who decided it all. Uh, he, he is the one who said, my hour has come. It's time to go to Jerusalem. Uh, and it's time for me to be betrayed by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes. Uh, and so here he is and he goes into, uh, into Jerusalem. And of course we realize the triumphal entry which he entered in. Uh, and then laying palm leaves in front of him as he rode in on a donkey. No, he didn't do it. Nobody took it. He laid it down. He laid it down, and then he took it up again. He's alive forevermore. I thought I'd have got amen off that, but... Amen. <laughs> now, we're going to get, into the, we're going to get, it, get back into Jonah here. Because remember the position that Jonah was in. Jonah's buried and he asked for a coffin of fish. And he's at the bottom of the sea and he says, I'm at the bottom of the earth. Mark 
Mark chapter 16, verses 4 through 6. I'm going to just touch on this real quick. And when they looked, that this is Mary Magdalene and the, and the ladies that went to the, to the, to the tomb uh, on the first day of the week uh, after Jesus had been crucified. Uh, they go there the first day of the week. It says, and when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, uh, and they were frightened. And he saith to them, Be not affrighted. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, with, with Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. Can you imagine the spectacle that they saw that morning? Can you imagine what it would have been like? I can't. I mean, it, it's beyond the the ability of of reason for me. Uh, but here they are. They find themselves. They go there and, and they uh, they 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 expect the uh, need to find somebody to move this big stone that's at the at the at the at the front of this tomb, and they find it rolled away. And then they go in and they see an angel of the Lord clothed in a long garment, white. And shining white as the uh, as uh, as whiter than snow. And when they came into the presence, they were afraid, weren't they? You come into the presence of God, and you are whether you're saved or not. It is it is an it is a humbling thing, isn't it, to be in the presence of God? It is always a humbling thing to be in the presence of God, and, and it's something to be thankful for. But they're in such a position, that they're, they're so astonished by what they've seen and what they are seeing, that they have to be directed, don't they? Come and see the place where they laid him. But he's not here. Matthew describes the angels that were there that morning this way. His countenance was like lightning, and this got touched on in Sunday school. His raiment was white as snow, and for the fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. But he's not here, is he? He's not here. Now, Jesus did a lot of things. He came and he, he died on the cross that, uh, that, that our sins might be atoned for. Uh, he, he, he died on the cross that he might pay the, the penalty for our sins. Uh, he tasted death so that he would be able to be a sympathetic high priest and he would be able to secure us whenever we're, or succor us or render aid whenever, whenever we're tempted. He, there are a lot of th- uh, facets and, and, and things that go into the death of Jesus. Not to mention what he did before he died and we're going to touch on that in just a minute Uh, but uh, before he died but here uh, Paul writes to the church at Corinth about the the greatest victory that was delivered there that day when Jesus was resurrected in the 15th chapter in the 54th and the 55th verse he says so when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption when this mortality shall have put on immortality then shall be brought the past the saying, Death is swallowed up 
in victory. Death lost her victory, didn't she? Uh, death thought that she had him sealed. Uh, Satan thought he had won, but Jesus lay there for just a short period of time. Why? Because God said, Thou shalt not suffer thine Holy One to see corruption. Why didn't, uh, uh, why didn't uh, Martha and Mary, uh, why didn't they want Jesus to have the stone rolled away there at the, uh, Lazarus' tomb when he raised Lazarus from the dead? They said, because it's been four days he stinketh. Because the body had already started to corrupt, hadn't it? It had already started to corrupt. Jesus can deliver from all corruption, can he? Whether it's temporal <laughs> or whether it's spiritual, Jesus can deliver you from every bit of corruption that you may encounter in your life. Uh, and so uh, he's talking about a physical corruption there, but it's just as applicable to a spiritual corruption. And so we look at this uh, and we see this verse of Scripture. We go back to Jonah. And Jonah is in a position where he's uh, in, a, in, a, in a very great distress. Uh, and really, Jonah is epitomizing the 116th Psalm, the third and the fourth verse, where he says, the sorrows of death come past me. You think the sorrows of death didn't come past Jonah? They certainly come past Jonah. He knew exactly what it was going on. Uh, he just I, I believe there was a point where Jonah really in the beginning where Jonah just knew he was going to die. Uh, I believe Jonah knew he was going to die there at the beginning. Who wouldn't in that position? Remember, Jonah ran away from the Lord, didn't he? He didn't want to go to Nineveh. Jonah said, uh-uh, I'm not going to do it. Uh, but uh, God said, yes, you are. And so a great tempest came up on the sea. The boat that Jonah was in, the men that were in it, they threw everything off the boat to lighten it. And then they even started trying to row to shore, but they were rowing against a stream that they couldn't fight against. Because just as Gamaliel said, uh, don't forbid these men from speaking because you may find yourself fighting against God and that's who those men were fighting against and so Jonah had told them throw me overboard I'm in Hebrew and I've offended the Lord and that's why these things have happened uh, they didn't want to do that uh, they, uh, the, the greatest thing the greatest penalty that could happen in the minds of the, 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 the pagan nations was death uh, but the Hebrews believed there was a greater than death and that was blasphemy and so here you see that they, uh, they reluctantly said no we're not going to throw you overboard. We're going to bring this ship to shore. And so they worked really hard to try to land it on the shore, but never could they do it because when God's fighting against you, it doesn't matter how hard you struggle. God is going to be the victor. Death struggled a lot to hold the Lord, I believe, but death couldn't hold him. And one day... It won't hold any of us that have been saved. Now, if you're here today and you're lost, it will. <laughs> 
Death will eventually, he'll get, it'll give you up because there'll be a resurrection of the just and the unjust, but it's just going to be that you will have not put on incorruption. You will not put on immortality, but you'll be given a body uh, that will experience the eternal torments of hell just the same as Satan and his angels will. And, and so here uh, in the 116th Psalm, the sorrows of death come past me, the pains of hell get hold of me, I found trouble and sorrow. Uh, folks, that's the name of the game, isn't it? That's called life. Trouble and sorrow. But there's a difference, isn't it? There's temporal problems and then there's spiritual problems. And Jonah, while he finds himself temporally in trouble, he's also spiritually in trouble. Now, he's not lost. Don't get me wrong. I believe Jonah's saved because he's a prophet of the Lord. But he's offended God. It's very possible for somebody who's saved to offend God and find themselves on the outs. That's why God chastens those that he loves. And so here he says uh, that the sorrows of death come past me and, and, uh, and I found trouble and sorrow. To get back to that point about corruption, what is it he says? I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth and her bars were, above me, were about me forever. Yet hast thou brought me up brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. Now, I want to pause right here, and I want to go to what we talked about earlier, where they're talking about uh, where there's a movement among Christians today to want to go and uh, and start uh, looking at the Torah. There's also the movement where everybody's looking for a sign today, it seems like. You get into too much Christianity, uh, too many podcasts, too many of those types of things, and you will hear very much where they talk about the signs. Signs Everywhere there's signs, right? Right? Uh, and so uh, it's almost overwhelming. Uh, I got a book uh, at home they ought to read, uh, and uh, and I'm not going to get into that right now, but we're going to read about the signs. And uh, the Pharisees came to Jesus, and they said, Master, uh, we would see a sign from thee. And he answered them, he said, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall be no sign given but the sign of the prophet Jonah. Now, isn't that interesting? Now we know that Jesus said this, that just as Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days and three nights, so shall the Son of Man be in the belly of the earth. Jesus told them when he said that plainly that I've got to die. <laughs> I've got to die and I've got to be resurrected. They knew that that was exactly what happened to Jonah. And so here we look at this and he says, he goes on. He says, for as Jonah was three days and three nights, well, I just used it, in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. He just told them that he had to die and be buried, didn't he? Just the same way that Jonah was. And Jonah said that he was not only buried by the earth, but by the ocean and had for a, ca a coffin or a sarcophagus, I guess if you want to call it that, a fish. Then he adds this to it, doesn't he? The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment again with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah and behold a greater than Jonah is here. And that's the title of my sermon this morning is a greater than Jonah. 
Because he was greater than Jonah in every way, wasn't he? Jonah had to be forced to go to Nineveh. Jesus willingly came and died on the cross. Uh, Jonah was fleeing to save his life. Jesus willingly offered his life, didn't he? But those aren't the only things. What about the preaching of uh, Jonah? Uh, Jonah said, uh, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall fall. Uh, Jesus, uh, he had a very short ministry, didn't he, there in, in, uh, in Nineveh, at least in terms of his evangelism. That's all we have recorded. Uh, and he had just gotten there. He, they had not seen him do any miracles. They had not seen him do anything. Uh, 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 there was just something about Jonah. He preached judgment and they repented at the preaching of Jonah. They didn't need they didn't they didn't need a lot of convincing, did they? He said it and they believed him. You look at the Pharisees who asked that question, Master, we would assign from thee. Jesus had been among them for thirty three years. For three and a half years, he had worked so many miracles that John writes that if the if every miracle that he performed was written in a book, that the earth could not contain it, contain it, or written on a scroll, the earth couldn't contain it. He had performed so many miracles. He had begged and implored them, if you don't believe me, believe the works, believe the miracles, believe the things that you've seen God do through me. But he, they wouldn't listen to him. They wouldn't listen to him. Here's what I want to tell you this morning. There's only one way to the Father, and that's through the Son. There's no other way to heaven but, by the, but through Jesus. His, cross, his, his sacrifice at Calvary, that's the only way that you can ever have your, thin, your sins thoroughly expunged. That's the only way that you can ever gain eternal life. Uh, he that believeth on me hath eternal life. He that believeth not is condemned already. Uh, you don't have to wonder about judgment. It's already, he's already passed judgment, hasn't he? If you haven't been saved, and so here uh, he, uh, uh, we go back over into Jonah, and we we stop down here short on a verse uh, because Jonah makes a statement here, and now this statement reply, it applies to uh, temporal, it applies to spiritual situations, and it applies eternally, doesn't it? Jonah, the last four words, five words of verse nine, salvation is of the Lord. That's it. <laughs> you want to get saved, you got to come to God on His terms. Jesus died on the cross not to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Jonah was one of the great prophets of God. <laughs> But in comparison to Christ, he was far lacking, wasn't he? But God still used him to do wondrous things. Spared a city for a, 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 a massive city for a period of time. I, I, I said, uh, I'll, I'll close with this. You want to? You want to? You say, how can I be saved? Now, I'm not using this in the sense that if you just say it, you just ask for it, 
that you're going to get it. You've got to find trouble and sorrow, don't you? You've got to understand something. The pains of hell have to get hold of you. Death has to compass you. You have to find trouble and sorrow. You want to get saved. These things are necessary because what's happening? You've got to die to yourself. All the sins you've committed, you've got to be confronted with those by a just and a holy God because to Him we give an account, don't we? Now, its iteration in Romans kind of gets used incorrectly, I believe. But you find those things. You get under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and then... In contrition, you call upon the name of the Lord. You'll find what Jonah found. He needed a temporal salvation in his case, didn't he? He already had, he already knew the Lord. He needed a temporal salvation. He wanted to be saved from the state that he was in. You need a spiritual salvation. That temporal salvation will come when Jesus parts the eastern sky and time ends and, uh, and, 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 and he gives the shout and the dead in Christ rise and incorruption or corruption puts on incorruption. Mortality puts on immortality. That's when we'll get the resurrection of the body, right? Before you ever get there, you better know the Lord as Savior. <laughs> you better find trouble and sorrow. You better call on the name of the Lord then. That's when you do it. You don't put it off. You call on Him then. And you seek Him till you find Him. You seek Him with purpose. Jonah sought him with purpose in the belly of a fish on the, in the ocean. He says, Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. We look at Jonah. We go back over to Jonah. And he says, This salvation is of the Lord. But look what he said before. I cried by the reason of my affliction. Unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of the fish, or out of the belly of hell, cried I, and thou heardest my voice. See, Jonah, Jonah believed he's calling on God from his tomb. And God saved him from his tomb, didn't he? Look here. Once he got there, what happens next? And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited Jonah out on dry land. God can deliver above and beyond anything we can imagine. But we have to come to him, don't we, on his terms, in contrition with godly sorrow and I call on him to do the work that he does because salvation is not of works lest any man should boast Jesus didn't die on the cross so that you could go to heaven and say look what I did <laughs> Jesus died on the cross so that when you get to heaven there's only one object of worship not only in heaven but for the rest of your life from that moment there's only one object of worship and that's Jesus Christ the Lord. Brother Williams, if you've got a song...